it's a new day in AEW. Yes, it is. Welcome back to Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show. I'm your host, Skylar Sig Daddy Sigmund. The fallout from AEW, double or nothing, took place in Las Vegas last night at T-Mobile Arena. And boy, it was a long show. It was a long show to say the least. I'll get more into that here in a moment. Uh, J.O. was unable to watch the show last night, so I will be riding solo on this episode of Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show, giving my reaction to AEW Double or Nothing, which happened last night as of this recording. But I want to thank everyone. Firstly, I want to thank everyone who listened to last week's episodes of uh, the Sacrifice, TNA Sacrifice 2010 review, and then the episode about CM Punk, should he win the AEW World Championship at the pay-per-view we're about to discuss. And uh, let's just not waste any more time. Let's get into it. Thank you again for listening to those episodes, but let's talk about AEW Double or Nothing last night. First impressions. The BR app sucks. I do not understand why it needs to take 45 minutes for this thing to freaking work. I had so many issues with it last night, and at the beginning especially. Like, I had a ton of issues at the beginning. It was saying I needed to buy the pay-per-view again, even though I bought it earlier in the afternoon, and it was just not working. Nothing was loading up. I don't know what's the issue. Apparently, I, this is the first really time I've had major issues with this app, but a lot of people were having the same issues, and they were getting pretty infuriated. The AEW needs to shore something up with Bleach Report to uh, make sure this works properly every time instead of having an issue every single time uh, with the pay-per-view provider. I know Fight do, they do Fight internationally. That's that's it. The BR is the one that does uh, the pay-per-view for uh, the United States. But people, there's a lot of people that have had a lot of issues with it. I've only had it about once or twice, but still, it needs to be fixed. Something needs to be done or get a different pay-per-view provider for this because it's it ticks a lot of people off when you can't get stuff to work. It was the first 45 minutes of the buy-in I couldn't get to get anything to work. I was lucky to catch this first match. Uh, the buy-in, Dan Housen and Hook taking on Mark Sterling and Tony Nese. And this is one of how many matches on this card? One of how many? One of 13 matches on this entire card. There's no need for this many matches to be on the card, in my opinion. It could have been a lot shorter. I'll get into I'll get more into that later because I'll get into that more later, as I'd like to say. But uh, first match, buy-in, ton of fun. Hookhausen taking on Mark Sterling and Tony Nese. I thought this was an incredibly fun tag match. Uh, Hook beats Sterling up, and Danhausen tags in. This is the finish, and uh, pins Sterling for the win. And actually, Danhausen learned some something, learned some stuff from Hook. And uh, he used the judo throw at one point. And I, you know what? I'm all for this Hookhausen team. You know what? People don't like it, but I like it when wrestling's fun from time to time. There's times where I think the guys should be more serious, but. This is just an innocent tag, tag team. This is one of those pairs that works. This, these kind of oddball pairings that it works in this situation. I thought it was inoffensive. I thought it was fun. 
That was a good way to get people into the pay-per-view, ready to start the pay-per-view. It was a good little, uh, I don't know, palate cleanser would be the best word, but it was. It got the fans excited for the upcoming pay-per-view. And that leads us into our first match, the opener. And there's a lot to talk about when it comes to this. Uh, MJF and Wardlow. MJF, there's a lot of speculation going on, how he's unhappy, how this, he did, he no-showed a meet-and-greet yesterday. Was it kayfabe? Was it a shoot? Was it here or there? Was MJF going to show up tonight? Because apparently, according to Dave Meltzer, yeah, you can take that with a grain of salt, uh, that he showed up, like, just hours, he just showed up not very, not too early to the show. Like, he showed up, I think, later in the afternoon. Not there, but in the, in the on if you're in Eastern time, he did show up a little bit later. But, yeah, this is an interesting situation because apparently MJF wants more money, but he doesn't want a contract extension because he wants that bidding war to happen in 2024 between them and WWE. Who knows? But MJF shows up here at the beginning of this match. And uh, he does the airplane because apparently there was an airplane ticket bought for him to fly out of Vegas. And that did not happen. But he uh, he was a heat magnet. The magnet fans absolutely hated him coming into this. But MJF just got an absolute butt whooping here. Absolute butt whooping here as the fans wanted. That's all the fans wanted in this situation. I know it won't be a fan for some people, the fans of MJF, that will be like, oh, this has killed his push. It really didn't. This this is a chance to write him off of television here. I thought this was, it was, it was done well. I think it they egged it on a little too long. But MJF gets 10 power bombs. And I'll say this, the way MJF took the power bombs was a little suspect because he just kept landing on his elbows. He wasn't selling them all that well. I, I just thought they were incredibly suspect. And that may be, be part of the reason why he's... That may be a way to kind of shove it up, shove it to Tony Khan or something. I don't know what it is. I don't know the entire situation. MJF is, like, playing this so well because you don't know what's kayfabe. You don't know what's to shoot. It's like Brian Pillman back in the day. But you can't really tell. What's kayfabe? What's what's fiction and what's reality at this point? Which is when that's when wrestling's great, but who knows what the situation is behind the scenes? But Wardlow gets the win after ten plus power bombs, and MJF gets a stretcher job out with oxygen, which was absolutely hilarious. But it was it was a hot way to open up the show, and uh, we got the Hardys and the Young Bucks up next. And I'll say this, as much as I'd like to see this match, they weren't going to be able to top what they did back in 2017 at Supercard of Honor with that ladder match. They did an alright job, but I think the Hardys did not look all that good here. And I'm a big Hardy Boys fan. The Hardy Boys are my favorite tag team of all time. No question. But I didn't think they looked very good here. Plus, they're showing their age. They're in their mid-40s. Jeff just didn't look right coming out from the jump. Hopefully he's okay. It, and uh, he just didn't seem... He just seemed a little off for some reason. I don't know why. 
don't want to speculate, but yeah, it just didn't seem right. But like, weird thing was like at the end, Jeff really turned it on. It was such an odd dichotomy of what was happening, but I thought the match was all right. The Bucks did carry them quite a bit, and uh, Jeff did hit a swanton on the ring steps, which is insane, and then he hit a swanton inside the ring, giving the Hardys the win. Surprisingly, I thought. I thought the Bucks was were going to go over there, but the Hardys went over so in a in a decent little match. But then Jeff, like, out after the match, he ran into the crowd, came back into the ring, came back into the, well, yeah, he left the, he went over the barricade, ran around, came back in, and then celebrated with Matt. It was just kind of odd stuff going on. Up next, uh, we had Anna Jay versus Jade Cargill. Hardy's Young Bucks match, it was okay. I, I didn't think it was all that great. Didn't live up to the dream match hype that it had. But up next was Anna Jay versus Jay Cargill for the TBS Championship. Our first championship match of the night. Honestly, this match did not need to be on the pay-per-view. I thought their chemistry was a little bit off. And that has, and that has to do with inexperience by both. But... I. Th- Jade ended up winning with Jaded off the second rope, but the more important thing was, I think this served as an opportunity to get the debut Stokely Hathaway, which is Malcolm Bivens, formerly known as Malcolm Bivens from AE, uh, from NXT, and I think he's going to be a great addition to AEW. Dude's comedic chops are absolutely fantastic, and I think she's he's going to be a better manager for Jade and the baddies than Mark Sterling. I think he's a better fit. He's absolutely hilarious. His comedic timing is on point. But uh, then we get, after the match, Statlander shows up after there's a beatdown by the baddies to make the save. Um, And then Athena, formerly known as Ember Moon, shows up as well. So she's all elite, as well as Stokely Hathaway. So there's a storyline from the jump, this six-person thing, where it's going to be the baddies versus uh, Statlander... Anna Jay and Athena. Um, but this match honestly didn't need to be... It wasn't a bad match by any stretch. It wasn't. But I don't think this needed to be on the show. There was very, 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 very minimal storyline build to this. There was just barely any storyline build. It didn't need to be on the show. It just served as a an opportunity to debut Stokely Hathaway and Athena, which I'm fine with, but I didn't really think this needed to be on the pay-per-view And that's the last I'll say about that match. Up next, this is honestly my match of the night. Match of the freaking night. House of Black versus Death Triangle in a six-man tag match. This was supposed to happen last time at uh, AEW Revolution, the last pay-per-view. But my freaking lord, high-paced, non-stop stuff. Gosh. Goodness gracious, everyone's flying all over the place. Ray Phoenix, Penta, Pac... Brody King, Alistair, not Alistair Black, but uh, Malachi Black. Everyone did their damnedest to make this a fun match, and it was great. But here we get the distraction finish, and this is three straight. Anna J. J. Cargill had some distraction with the Stokely Hathaway stuff going on, too, and uh, the baddies. But here, this is the second straight match where there's kind of some interference in the finish. So Pac goes up for Black Arrow. Lights go out. Julia Hart pops up. 
And she spits the mist into Pac's face. So this this is the turn for Julia Hart. She is fully now with the House of Black. She, 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 she teased it a, a few weeks ago. And then now it is official. She is a part of the House of Black, which is a pretty cool moment, I think. I thought it was. I thought this was a better time to do it than the time than the was on Dynamite a few weeks ago. So I think this is a perfect time to do it. And I thought it paid off the months of uh, story uh, the months the months of storytelling they were doing with her. And uh, yeah, this match was great, great, and it, and ultimately it's my match of the night, really. And that was just the fourth match on this card. Yeah, the fourth match on the card, and it was my match of the night. After this, we get two Owen Hart Memorial Cup final matches, Adam Cole versus Samoa Joe, and then this one also ends with some distractions and interference because Bobby Fish plays into the end. There's some nice shoulder work done by Adam Cole focusing on Joe's shoulder. Uh, Cole ends up winning with the boom, but this is another issue I see with there's three straight distraction finishes. Some kind of interference, something going on. That's I did not like that, where it all just happened back to back to back. I think if they would have spread these out a little bit, and then uh, then after that, we had the crowd pretty pretty dead for this, uh, another, this other final, because we had Adam Cole winning the first final. He had a nice tribute to Owen Hart with the uh, pink trunks, uh, the pink gear. And then we get Britt versus Ruby, Ruby Soho in the other final for the women's side. And as predicted, as... Uh, so with Cole winning, it didn't really make any sense for Soho to win, even though I think Ruby really, 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 10 times, 100 times, a million times more needed it. She needed it a million times more than Britt Baker to win this this uh, tournament because she's kind of lost every big match she's been in since coming into the company last year. Britt's place in the company... Is already solidified. It it all it's already solidified. It, she doesn't need another win like this. But I got why they did it with Cole and Britt, with the couple doing winning the tournament. But uh, it was it was a solid match. But the crowd just didn't seem into this. It they didn't really get into this. But it was the benefit of the win for Britt was it wasn't off a distraction. It was off of a. I think it was a sunset flip pin, and then Britt rolled her up. And then they had a nice moment after the match where they shook hands. And uh, I really thought Ruby, just Ruby should have won here. I, I, I thought, but I know they were going for the couple thing with Adam Cole and Britt Baker. So, but I just don't understand. With with Ruby, I don't understand what the end game is with her. Is she just going to turn heel then? I don't think that's the best way to do it, but I guess maybe it'll help. Who knows? Who knows? But uh, I'll say the ceremony with Martha Hart was absolutely awesome. She did an awesome job in presenting the belts and the cup, and she showed great poise on the mic. Really, really good. And uh, it was a cool moment for Martha. I'd get to celebrate the legacy of Owen, and uh, the crowd really was really appreciative of her, and uh, multiple Owen chants were happening during the uh, ceremony. And uh, it, it was just, it was a really, really nice moment. And it's nice to see Owen's name back in the limelight in professional wrestling because he, he was great. 
He was fan-freaking-tastic. He was a great professional wrestler, great character, and an even better person. Even better person. But I forgot to mention before the Ruby Soho match, they had Rancid Player out, which which was pretty cool as well. Um, then we get the match that I was not excited for at all coming into this. The Trios Tag Match. The second Trios Tag Match. Except this is a mixed tag encounter. Kazarian... Sammy Guevara and Ty Conti versus Ethan Page, Scorpio Sky, and Paige Van Zant. This storyline could could have ended weeks ago, and I would have been happy. Like they could have just dropped it out of left field, and I would have been totally okay with it, because no one's depicted in a good light on this in this feud. You thought Scorpio was gonna turn face. He didn't really turn face. He's still a heel. And then Kazarian, who was a babyface, he ends up becoming a de facto heel in this situation. So fans are confused here because they don't really know who to cheer for. Paige Van Zant shows up, so she'll get cheered. But really, the reaction to this match was pretty, pretty lame because it didn't get... The only time the fans really, really reacted... Okay, so at the beginning with Ethan Page attacking Sammy Guevara because Ethan Page has been wanting to get his hands on Guevara for quite a while, so that was that was nice. But most of the match, the fans really were lukewarm to this match. And that's because of the storyline. The storyline's been horrible from the start. No one's depicted in a good light. Paige Van Zant really didn't get all that great of a reaction. She got a little bit of one in her debut, but it didn't really... I don't think it was the one that Tony Khan was looking for. Because there was a little excitement, but not a ton of excitement for it. And the other time they only gave a crap was when Van Zant was in there, like I said earlier. And then late when Kazarian briefly ducked out on his team. He did for a moment, but then came right back in, which was absolutely stupid. And then the fans got into it when Sammy kicked Ty, which led to the finish where... They hit, where Scorpio hit the TKO to win. So the men of the year and Van Zant win. And now Sammy Guevara and Kazarian can't challenge for the TNT title. And there, so that's happened on this show as well as Wardlow getting his contract. And then we get Kylo O'Reilly versus Darby Allen in a match that had no little to no build at all. It was a solid match. It didn't even go 10 minutes, but it was a very stiff match. He ate a nasty knee early, Darby did. Darby ends up losing, which was kind of uh, questionable, I thought. Um, Darby ends up getting choked with his chain at the end and got hit with three PKs, followed by a diving knee drop, and uh, Kyle O'Reilly gets the win. I didn't understand the need for this on the pay-per-view as well. This could have been done on a Dynamite or a Rampage or something else because there was little to no build. The card was already, already, already way too over-bloated. 13 matches on a card for a pay-per-view is enough. I understand that we're trying to build these pay-per-views as like super shows, the four four, uh, pay-per-views for AEW per year, the quarterlies. 
but I didn't see that it needed to be 13 matches, and this is one match that I certainly did not need on this card. As much as I like Darby Allen and Kyle O'Reilly, this match didn't have the build to it to really warrant a pay-per-view match. Anyway, we get next... Serena Deeb versus Thunder Rosa for the AEW Women's World Championship. So the storyline build to this one hasn't been on that great. And that's kind of been a recurring theme on this pay-per-view is that these storylines leading up to these matches have not been very good. Like the Hardys and Young Bucks, it kind of writes itself, but at the same time, there wasn't a whole lot of stuff done on television to build it up. The Wardlow-MJF match was the best built match of the night. Like, storyline build-wise, because it was over a two-year build to that moment where Wardlow finally beats MJF, frees himself from MJF, and gets his AEW contract, which he already been working for AEW for two years, so it's already kind of irrelevant that that's, he is not working for AEW. He's working for MJF. He, he's, been working for, he's been on TV for the last two years. I digress, though. So this is this was not the best built match, Serena D versus Thunder Rosa, but boy, boy did this surprise me. I don't think well, it didn't surprise me in the fact that it was a good wrestling match. The storyline wasn't great heading into it. That just I think made it better that the match was actually really, really good. Well, I expect Thunder Rosa and Serena D to put out a good match. That's it's not anything it's not surprising at all. There were some really good technical exchanges, really good mat-based wrestling in this. They had Thunder Rosa at one point even had a pendulum swing. Um, I just thought this was a great professional wrestling match on the on the night. This was one of my favorite matches this evening. There was some good. There was a lot of good professional wrestling on this show, but there wasn't a lot of. I would say there was maybe one great match. It was it was pretty. There was like some pretty darn good stuff. Like, this and one other match is pretty darn good. The only great thing I thought was the the uh, trios match earlier on in the show with that House of Black and Death Triangle. But I like the finish of this AEW Women's World Championship match with a superplex and, and a fire thunder... Like, she superplexed deep and then hit a fire thunder driver immediately after that. I thought it was great. I thought that was a great finish to a pretty darn good wrestling match. And uh, I thought Rosa winning made sense as well. And so they move on. So we'll see what Thunder Rosa has up next coming up for her. Which leads us into our third to last match on the show. At this point, okay, I'm going to be fully honest with you. By the time I got to Thunder Rosa and Deeb, I had to shut off the pay-per-view. I had to watch this in two different sittings. Because it was about 11 o'clock by the time I stopped watching this show. And they were just about to start Thunder Rosa and Serena Deeb. We should be close to the main event at that point. We should be at least in the semi-main to main event because fan, exha- fan exhaustion comes into play. And it, it kind of came into play during the Serena Deeb Thunder Rosa match, you could tell, because the crowd wasn't as into it. I, I enjoyed it, especially after I got some rest that from the previous night. But it shouldn't have to, you shouldn't have to watch these shows in two sittings and to enjoy it all. Because there were still four matches by the time I was... I decided to stop watching, but still, just needs to be shored up a little bit. That's going to be a common thing I'm going to keep mentioning. 
But uh, Anarchy in the Arena was up next. Mox, Santana, Ortiz, Kingston, Danielson taking on the Jericho Appreciation Society. And so Jericho Appreciation Society comes out and it's all this all white clothing, which looked incredibly funny. And somebody mentioned on Twitter to me, I think it was uh, Benjamin M- Emerson. He shout out to him. He they looked like the Backstreet Boys, which I was like, I looked at that. And I'm like, that's actually pretty. That's pretty. That's pretty accurate. They should have just started saying everybody, yeah. Yeah, they didn't, but they were singing, fans were singing Judas. But after that, fans were singing Wild Thing as uh, Santana Ortiz, Danielson, Kingston, and Mox all made their entrance. But this this music continues to play similar to how like New Jack's music would play back in ECW with his uh, Natural Born uh, Killers song by, by Ice Cube and Dr. Dre, uh, how, how that would continue to play during his matches. I thought it was a bit overkill that they let it loop in the second time, but I get why they did it because Jericho had to cut the ended up cutting the music, and there was a lot of camera cuts, especially early in this. There's a lot of camera cuts. This match is not for everybody. I'll tell you that right now. Your mileage may vary when it comes to this match, and we have Menard at one point just bleeding like a stuck pig. There are some cool moments sprinkled in here with the street sweeper to Hager through a table. On the outside, uh, Santana and Ortiz hitting a frog splash. Both hitting frog splashes on Menard and Parker through separate tables. Uh, There's also a great visual at the end where Eddie Kingston's carrying a jug of gasoline, dumping it onto Jericho and Danielson. But then Danielson, after getting the gas dumped on him, he gets ticked off at Kingston and they brawl. Jericho... At one point, uses a chair on both of them. Mox gets thrown into a barbed wire... Uh, a Judas effect knocks out Kingston. Danielson gets hit with the back end of the turnbuckle that uh, Mox detached earlier on in the earlier on, and then Danielson hits some running knees to Hager, and then Jericho with who had a chair. He's trying to fight off these two. He's the last one standing in this one. Uh, he's then Danielson says, "I'm going to kick his effing head in." Did not use the word effing. He just said the actual word. But Hager uses the bag on Danielson's knee. Jericho gets hit with the walls. Jericho gets the walls on Danielson, and Hager chokes him out with the cable. And then Aubrey Edwards calls for the bell. This is very chaotic, very bloody, very violent. Great visual with Eddie Kingston, though. I just think the wrong team went over. I don't understand why the Jericho Appreciation Society needed to go over here. Because the crowd wanted Kingston and Mox and all that on that crew to win. And so I assume this feud isn't over yet, which I think it should have been over at this point. And I don't I can't take the Jericho Appreciation Society seriously. Because really you have Jericho, Hager, which I really haven't taken seriously for quite a while, uh, Menard and uh, I forget what they changed his name to now, Parker. I, I just can't take them super seriously either. Daniel Garcia, I can take a little bit seriously, but not incredibly seriously. So, I don't know. It's a hard time taking those guys seriously. I thought that does make. I don't think it makes sense because the caliber of guys they're in the ring with, with Mox, Santana, Ortiz, and Kingston, and Danielson, they mopped the floor with them every every other day. So, I just thought the wrong team went over here. 
I, that was one. That was one of the questionable booking decisions I thought on this show. After that, though, we get Andrade with Jose talking about his group being a bunch of losers, but then he gets a new business contract, and it's with El Toro Blanco, the former two-time Ring of Honor World Champion Roosh. So that's the third AEW debut on this show. New wrestler. And now the roster at this point is getting ridiculously large. They need the Ring of Honor stuff now. They needed it yesterday. They need something else for these wrestlers to sink their teeth into because there is way too many people on the roster now. This is they're having a W they're getting to be a WWE problem where there's too many people on the roster. I absolutely love AEW. I love it. I love it. I love it. But my goodness, this roster is way too big at this point. This is way too big. They need to shore it up a little bit. They need to get the Ring of they need to get Ring of Honor television on the air at some point here in the near future because otherwise people are going to be just sitting around doing nothing for the most part. I know they get matches on dark and everything, but there needs to be more television somewhere. And it needs to be with Ring of Honor. But there's way too many people, there's way too many fries, uh, cooks in the kitchen at this point. And not everyone's going to get TV time. And so that's going to be a major issue, a major thing Tony Khan's going to have to battle with going forward. And so, best of luck to him with that. Up next, we had our co-main event, the AEW World Tag Team Championship match. Jurassic Express taking on Hobbs and Starks and Swerve in our glory. Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland. I thought this was a pretty solid match. Not as good as the the, uh, six-man tag tag earlier. Still pretty solid. There was a cool moment where Swerve moonsaulted off Keith Lee's chest to the outside. Lee, it's a tope calling he low to the outside, which was in freaking sane for how big he is. And uh, Jurassic Express retains after Thoracic Express hit on Swerve. Thought it was a solid match. I didn't think he, I. It kind of made sense that Jurassic Express would retain here because these three teams are not super established teams. The other two teams, I mean, uh, with Hobbs and Starks and Swerve and Keith Lee, those are not two of the more established teams in AEW. But Jurassic Express retains, and I think they're kind of they're slowly building to Christian Cage turning on Jurassic Express. We'll see when it happens, and I don't know who Jurassic Express is going to lose the title to. So they could they could lose it to the Hardys or someone else. We'll have to see. Which leads us to our thirteenth and final match of the night: the main event. CM Punk versus Hangman Adam Page for the AEW World Championship. This was a very good back and forth uh, encounter between these two. I said I said on my previous episode that uh, CM Punk should win the AEW World Championship here. I made that decision as long as well as Jo, and I think it was the right decision at this point because Hangman Page's reign had not had cooled down quite a bit. And it's something to heat up the the world title scene, at least, for a little while. And uh, you can hear more of my thoughts on why uh, Punk should win, should have won the AEW World Championship. Well, now he has won the AEW World Championship with, with uh, beating Hangman Page last night. It was a very long encounter, about 25-plus minutes. And uh, there was a point where Punk couldn't execute the buckshot, which looked pretty obvious. He did try to do it twice, 
They had to go back to the well twice, and he couldn't do it. But Page hit a very good, Hangman Adam Page hit a very good GTS. I liked how they told the story with the inner conflict. Uh, Hangman Adam Page was facing. He was going about to do a very heelish thing with hitting Punk with the belt after the ref got knocked down on a GTS attempt by Punk. Page was incensed. He was about ready to take him out with the title belt. But the last moment he, in that inner conflict he faced, he decided not to, but then he ended up paying for it because he went for the buckshot, Punk countered, and hit the GTS and won the AEW World Championship, giving Punk his first World Championship win in, what, since 2011. You think about it, because Punk, he won the World Championship his, his, his long run as a, the WWE champion started in November of 2011 at Survivor Series being Alberto Del Rio, and it lasted up until the Royal Rumble of the next year when he lost to The Rock. So he hadn't held a world championship since... it was It's been nine years. Nine years since he won a world championship. And uh, it was a great moment. Fans really seemed to enjoy it there. And it was a great, it was a very good back and forth battle. Very good back and forth battle. Not my favorite match of the night by any stretch, but it was it was in the top three for sure. It was a top three match for the world championship. Punk wins, and uh, Punk gets very emotional at the end. And I think this this is the ultimate 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 setup because you know what MJF's gonna get MJF. Getting stretchered out, writes him off TV for a little bit. And he's going to get heated back up. Punk and him are tied up one-to-one. Punk and MJF are tied up one-to-one. I think as soon as all out, possibly, maybe later, we're going to see a new world champion again. We're going to see MJF with the AEW World Championship around his waist in a moment that will garner so much heat if it takes place in Chicago. If it takes place in Chicago, it's going to garner so much heat. But if it takes place elsewhere, it's still going to get a lot of heat, but not to the level of Chicago where it's dang near probably going to be riot levels if Punk would lose it in Chicago. But I think it was the right move here at this moment to give the title to Punk. It may improve TV ratings at least for a little bit. Gives you a very, very well-established star with the World Championship. And we'll just have to see where it goes from there. And this was at the end of a very, very long show. I imagine this finish match finished up at 12.30 Eastern time. I shut it off before then because I had to, I couldn't watch anymore because I was getting pretty tired last night. I just kind of was burnt out of wrestling at that point. And uh, it was still an all right show, though, in conclusion. It was just way too long. The show was way too long. But there were three matches I really enjoyed and there was three matches I really could have seen taken off the pay-per-view completely. And you kind of heard them already, but it's the American Top Team match versus Kaz, Sammy, and Ty. Jade versus Anna Jay and O'Reilly versus Allen. They could, this could have been a 10-match card, nine matches on the pay-per-view, and it would have been perfectly fine. It would have been probably more of an appropriate length. The booking was also kind of questionable on the show with Britt Baker winning and uh, Anarchy in the Arena as well, and Darby Allen losing too. It just didn't. There's some things that didn't really make any sense. 
And then there was the interference stuff that kept happening. At least that was in three straight matches where interference played into the finish. I'm not saying it was a bad show. It wasn't a bad show. It wasn't one of AEW's best efforts, for sure. It's probably in the bottom tier of my favorite AEW pay-per-views. Like, that's probably in my bottom tier of my of the AEW pay-per-views I've watched. Because I've watched every single one of them except for Double or Nothing 2021. But this is... Adder, it's it's around the bottom of the list, probably the bottom three I've watched. It was just too long. Some stuff didn't really make sense that to put on the show, and there was some stuff that really could have been shortened up to make the show a little bit tighter and not as long lasting. Asking people on that live on the East Coast to stay up till twelve thirty watching wrestling, but. That is well, that as well as the storylines leading up to most of these matches were not all that great. Outside of the MJF Wardlow match, I'd say the storylines to most of these matches were not very good. But we still got some very good wrestling. We still got a pretty good main event with Punk winning the world championship over Hangman Adam Page. And uh, we'll see what the future holds for AEW. Just want to give my top three matches here real quick. Of the show, House of Black versus Death Triangle was obviously my number one. Number two, Serena Deeb versus Thunder Rosa. Love the technical wrestling involved in that match. And then the, fi- the number three match I had, the my third favorite match of the show was Hangman Adam Page versus CM Punk in the main event. What were your thoughts on uh, AEW Double or Nothing 2022? Let me know. Send me a tweet at SigDaddy. Wrestle. You also send me messages on Facebook at Sig Daddy Wrestle as well, on TikTok at Sig Daddy Wrestle, and on Instagram at Sig Daddy Wrestle. You can also follow the show on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, wherever you get your podcasts, and make sure to leave a review, a five star one, if you really like the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Any review is appreciated. For Sick Daddy's wrestling show. J.O. will return next week and we'll be discussing something I mentioned earlier on in this episode it is is AEW's roster too big? I think it is. But we'll go we'll get more in depth into our reasoning behind it, our thoughts on it, and what can they do to fix that issue moving forward. J.O. will be back with me next week for that episode. Look forward to giving that to you all. And I hope you enjoyed this reaction to AEW Double or Nothing 2022. But until next time, this is Skylar Sig Daddy Sigmund signing off saying thanks for listening and so long everybody.